Amen. All right, well, again, welcome to Campbell River Baptist Church. Um, if we've not had the chance to meet, as Steve mentioned, my name is Ryan Davis, and I am the director of youth ministries here. So a couple months ago, Pastor Steve asked if I would preach on this Sunday, and um, it kind of falls in an interesting place. Like he said, last week we wrapped up our series on Ruth, and next week we start our summer series going through some various psalms. But with God's timing, I was given this Sunday, which falls right at the end of another school year. So I thought, what a better time to address our graduating students. So this year, out of our senior high youth ministry, we have 11 students who are graduating in the class of 2023, and I'm excited to honor them and to recognize each one of these students. I've had the opportunity to get to know them. Some of them knew this year, some I've had the opportunity to walk with for a few years, and I also want to acknowledge that grade 12 is a crazy time of year. If you can look back and remember grade 12, it is a busy time academically. We have students who have insane athletic schedules that I don't even know how they keep up. And a lot of them are also working on top of that to prepare for their post-secondary education. And so we have some graduates who may not have connected into our senior high youth this year. And I also want to take a moment and recognize them. And then on top of that, we were reminded that, you know, at this time of year, it's not just our high school graduates. We have some people in our community, in our family, who are graduating from their post-secondary adventures. And so if that's you, I don't want to or miss acknowledging you. So up on the screen here, we should have a list of all of our high school grads. These are students this year who, in one way or another, I've had the opportunity to connect with. And like I said, I may have missed a few names. But in light of that, let's take a minute and let's give a big round of applause for all of our high school grads and our post-secondary graduates. Sorry. So again, grads, congratulations. It's been an amazing year. Now, uh, into today's sermon. There's a funny thing that happens for me when I am preparing a sermon, when I'm preparing to come up and speak. I go into the process you know, I have to prepare something. If I got up here and had nothing to say, that wouldn't be good. Uh, but as I go through, there is this thing that happens inevitably that I go in thinking, okay, it's, you know, graduation. I'm going to share something for the grads. And the farther I go, God's word is powerful. And no matter what, he always speaks. And he always seems to speak to me about something, to challenge me in something that I'm bringing to the table, something that he's giving me. And today's no different. So even though today's sermon is a grad sermon, there are things in here that are challenging me, and I hope that there's something in here that challenges each one of you, no matter where you're at today, no matter what stage of life you're in. Now, throughout the year, I have had the unfortunate opportunity of having several of the students, not even just like one or two, but several students have started to inform me that I am getting old. Uh, at least in their eyes, I'm starting to get old. And I realized, actually, as I kind of reflected on that, that I graduated before any of the students that I work with had even begun preschool, which is kind of a terrifying thought. Um, so because I am old, I decided I wanted to start with an older reference. Some of our graduating students may have seen this, some of them may have not, but I'm hoping some of the other old people in the room will recognize the movie Groundhog Day. If you've seen Groundhog Day, it stars Bill Murray, and a brief synopsis of the film is that he plays this obnoxious newscaster who gets sent to this tiny little town of Puxatawney, Pennsylvania to report on their Groundhog Day celebration. 
Um, out here on the West Coast, I've noticed this isn't something that we do. We don't really have Groundhog Day. I've never seen it since I've been out here. But even back in Winnipeg, where I used to live, Groundhog Day was a thing, like a real thing that they waited for and looked forward to every year. And what it means is, you know, this furry little rodent comes up out of the ground. If it sees its shadow, the legend is it gets scared, it goes back in the ground, and winter sticks around for six more weeks. But if it comes out, doesn't see its shadow, then apparently it's going to be an early and warm summer. I don't know. But back to the movie, Bill Murray gets this assignment, and he hates it. He is belligerent the whole day through. He's trying to rush people so that he can finish this newscast and get back to the comforts of his home. What he doesn't know is that he is doomed to relive the day over and over and over and over and over and over and over until he gets it right. What it means by getting it right for him is that he has to treat everybody nicely. As he goes through, if he messes up, the day starts over again. It's a very funny movie. If you've not seen it, it's, it's a movie that's worth watching with some PG ratings. But the movie hinges on a very important day in his life that keeps repeating itself, giving this man chance after chance to get it right. So for us, when we think of the word day, when we look in the Bible at the word day, it can have a lot of meanings. A day can refer to a 24-hour period of time like we're all familiar with, or it can be an unfathomable amount of time like the day of salvation. We can't really wrap our head around what that's going to look like. And the phrase last days is it's its whole other thing we're not going to get into. But today, we're going to be referring to a day of opportunity. A day of opportunity for all of us and specifically for our grads. Now, we can never get a day of opportunity 100% right. We are humans. We are fallible. We're never going to be 100%. But I want to challenge us to be intentional with each new day that we get. And that's where our verse today, John 9, 4, comes in. It says, we must work the work of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, in this verse, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And uh, if you're familiar with it, it's the verse where he spits on the ground and rubs it in the guy's eyes, tells him to go wash in the pool. But Jesus is saying that there's a reason for the work we need to do it. And we need to do it while we have the opportunity. Because there's going to be a time coming when we're not going to have the chance to do that work anymore. Now, for us, we all have a day of opportunity. We wake up each morning and we have a new day. And we need to decide if and how we are going to use that day. Are we going to be intentional in the choices we make and the actions we take? Are we going to open our eyes and ask God to show us the people around us? Are we going to live for God or not? So, again, grads of 2023. You are facing a brand new series of opportunities. You are about to depart from your little hometown and go out into the world. And not to sound cliche, but over the next few years, with some hard work, some dedication, and some determination, you have the opportunity to strive to make your life whatever you want it to be. Or at least you can try. So, will you use your time to pursue your relationship with Jesus? Will you invest in kingdom interests and in heavenly treasures? Are you going to be intentional? Are you going to look for ways to take next steps with Jesus, no matter where you land, whether it's here at CRBC, on the mainland, or somewhere else? Or are you going to fall into the trap of just focusing on simply climbing to the top of whatever ladder is in front of you, whether that's pursuing valedictorian, whether that is... 
pursuing success in a career and simply rushing through life seeking challenge or seeking sorry comfort and shiny objects now in groundhog day that was bill murray's approach he just pursued success he wanted to get in get out get done and get comfortable but he had unlimited chances to get it right we don't know how many chances we're going to get we don't actually know if tomorrow is a given it's not so i want to challenge each and every one of us not just our grads but every single one of us to be intentional Let's wake up each day and set our sights first and foremost on Christ, and then we're going to trust him with the rest. Matthew 6:33 says this: "Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." Now within our local church family here, we have grads going off to university and Bible schools, both locally on the island, VIU and UVic, and we have some going as far away as Germany. We have grads who are moving to the mainland for work and we have others who are going to stay in Campbell River. These young men and women are getting ready to step off into the world and as they venture out, I want to say that the opportunity and the potential that they represent is absolutely amazing for the gospel to spread far and wide. If you think about what happens when a younger generation starts to take their faith seriously, when they start to become intentional, about living for God, they actually have the potential and the power to inspire a local body, and as they do that, that can actually ignite a whole community to start pursuing Jesus. I don't know if you guys kind of followed along with it, but this spring there was a great great representation of this. There was a university down in the states called Ashbury University. Are you guys familiar with this story? Any of you guys see this? It was back in February. But what started out as a normal young adults worship service ended up turning into a two-week-long, 24-hour-a-day, non-stop revival that led tens of thousands of people to come together in the name of Jesus in this tiny little town of Ashbury. It was on news stations all across the country and all across the world. My mother in Australia was following this story about what was happening in the states. And what was amazing is they were reporting these young men and women who were pursuing Jesus wholeheartedly and the impact it was having on the community it drew people from all over the nation and all over the world to come in and experience the presence of God so grads as you step out as you take your unique skills your insights your joy your gifts your enthusiasm out into the world I pray that you would start by igniting a fire in your heart to pursue Christ personally. I pray that wherever you go, wherever it is that you land in everything that you do, no matter what church you come to call home, I want to encourage you to stay plugged into Jesus and as you do that, find and connect to a local healthy church body. Hebrews 10:23 and 25 says, "Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering." For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near or drawing near. So grads, as you do that, as you step out and as you connect, there's three things that I want to encourage you with and challenge you with this morning. The first one is be personally accountable to Jesus. Now, I used to have this boss who was named Winston Churchill. That's not a joke. It was actually his name was Winston Churchill. 
And he would always tell new employees when they joined the company that if they did a really good job, if they worked super hard, that he had an amazing bonus in store for them. Now, those who were new to the company, like when I started, we would often get really excited the first time that we heard this. And we'd ask, you know, what is the bonus? Thinking that it was, you know, time off or financial incentive, whatever it might be. And Winston would remain stoic for a few seconds, and then he would eventually crack a smile, and he would begin laughing. And he would tell us that if you do a really good job, I'll let you keep your job. And I may even give you more work. He was funny, but he was also establishing accountability. Now, whether you are going to be accountable to your professors to you know, turn in your homework and show up to class on time, or whether you're accountable to your future employees or employers sorry, to actually show up to work on time, we will always be accountable to somebody for something. But the most important area of accountability that we have as believers is personal accountability before God. Romans 14, 12 tells us, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So I would challenge you rather that as you step out, as you begin to establish your identity, as you begin to explore who you are and what you're meant to do as young men and women, one of the first things, probably the most critical thing that you need to do is to understand and recognize that you need a standard of accountability in your life. And not just a flimsy resolution to try and be good and try and do the right thing, but a biblical standard of accountability. And then there's a more difficult task that follows that, which is that you actually have to hold yourself to whatever that standard is. And I wish I could say accountability wasn't important because then work could just be one big coffee break all day long, and that would be awesome. And university would be this place where you just perfect your foosball skills or your ping pong game. But, I mean, that part will happen anyway. It's just not the case. We need accountability, and we need it in everyday life because that's what helps us stay focused and move forward. And in our walk with Jesus, we need accountability to stay humble and to stay on track. In Matthew 12, verse 36, we're reminded again just how accountable we are. It says, I tell you that all men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. It's a heavy verse. So as you begin your young adult life, as you step out, set a biblical standard of accountability. And like I said, don't make it a resolution. Don't treat this like you know, fine, I guess I can pray before meals, or, you know, if I have to read a verse, flip through, and uh, Jesus wept. There, I did it. But start your mornings with Jesus. Wake up and spend time with Jesus first thing in the morning. Meditate on and be immersed in his word. Ask God to actually open your eyes and show you the people around you and how you can be Jesus, how you can be love and life to the people around you. And then end each day by being thankful. Pray and thank Jesus for another day of opportunity that you've been given. Make a commitment, not a resolution. Make a commitment to be, first and foremost, pouring into your relationship with Jesus. Keep that vibrant and growing and set it as a top priority. 
Now, as you venture out again into all corners of the globe, wherever it is that you're going to go, you're going to be faced with all kinds of distractions and decisions and bright, new, shiny things. And that is a lot of fun. That's part of going off and, and starting life on your own. But if you cannot learn how to set priorities and how to actually keep and maintain priorities, then all of your resolutions and all of your half-hearted good intentions are going to go by the wayside. It's just what's going to happen. Just ask any person who's ever made a New Year's resolution to try and get in shape for summer. I think I'm still working on mine from like five years ago. Now, I think what's hard is my generation, millennials, we missed this. This wasn't something that was talked about a lot. We missed realizing how important accountability really is. And because of that, there are countless examples of people my age who have no sense of accountability. And because of that, the damages that are in their life and in their families' lives is incredible. And it's everywhere. And it's not what you want for yourself. It's not what you want today, and it's not going to be what you want in your future. So set your priorities not on success, but set your priorities on your relationship with and your accountability before God. Again, Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Now, my second challenge that I want to give you is make the right friends. That's a little bit of a maybe controversial one, but I'll get into it. So as you venture off, you're going to meet a lot of new people. When I started at the University of Manitoba, I walked in on my first day, and my very first class that I walked in, there was 300, over 300 young adults sitting in the lecture hall. And that was the one class. I think the next one I walked into, there was probably about 200. And as I stepped back and looked around campus, I realized that there was over 30,000 students attending the University of Manitoba the excitement that comes with that kind of potential for new experience, new influences in your life is overwhelming. There are so many new faces and new experiences that are coming your way. I don't want you to go into that blindly. There's also a lot of challenges that come with that territory. Some of the people that you're going to meet are going to be amazing. And some of the people that you're going to meet are not the type of people that you're going to want to have as influences in your life. And I highly suggest that you begin to try and wrestle with how to make that distinction and do it now. And I, I would also say that if you have already established that your priority is going to be, one, growing closer to Jesus, and two, maintaining a healthy connection to a local church body, those are great filters in that equation. Because then when you do meet somebody who is not going to help you draw closer to Jesus, when you meet somebody who is actively choosing to walk away from God in the actions they take and the decisions that they make, you're going to be able to stand in your commitment to your relationship with Jesus. And that means not having them in your inner circle of influence. Now, I also, I do want to say that I'm not talking about shunning people. I'm not talking about shutting people out and closing the blinders. But what I'm saying is that we need to be aware of the choices that we make and the people that we let influences. This goes for everybody. We need to be wrestling with that. But especially when you are going into a new place, when you are young and you're starting out and you're going out, it's all the more crucial. 
1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. You can have all the good intentions in the world to stay true to who you are, but if you surround yourself with people who are walking away from Jesus, we can't kid ourselves. Instead, you need to find people who will pursue Jesus with you. Find people who will encourage you to take bold next steps with Jesus. Find people who will challenge you and help, you hold, or help hold you accountable before God. Because you are going to slip up. It's going to happen. So find people who will pray with you and will pray for you. And third, perhaps the strongest and maybe the best challenge that I can give you is be true to who God has called you to be. Now, grads, you're in what's often seen as a very unique kind of phase of life. You are supposed to go out into the world and discover who you truly are. What is your purpose in life and what can you add to society? The funny thing is, if you were to go downtown, if you were to find some adults, even walk around this room and ask people, you know, who are you meant to be? What is your purpose? A lot of people are still searching for that. A lot of adults are still searching for who they are meant to be. And for young men and young women, as you are just beginning to search out these questions and try to understand what does it mean for your life, it gets all the more convoluted and difficult because the prevailing message right now is be true to you. You know, it's a message that comes from everywhere, whether it's cologne campaigns on YouTube or YouTube reactors, video games, uh, any kind of social media posts, they all talk about this unending message that you know what's best for you. Be true to whatever version of you you are today. Be who you want to be. And it sounds nice. It sounds sweet and it sounds empowering. But the reality is that it's not true. It's not a biblically accurate statement. And in fact, it's actually very self-serving and it is damaging to our walk with Jesus when we embrace that. So as you go out and you pursue careers, you get jobs, as you begin to kind of figure out who you are outside of the environment of the home you grew up in, which is a piece that's going to happen to everybody. We go out and we wrestle with who are we outside of our parents' faith. It's, it's important for you to come back to the basics. It's important for you to remember the basics. And I hope that you learn early on. I hope that you really wrestle with the idea that your identity and your purpose are never going to be found in pursuing a college or a university program. They're not going to be found in meeting your special somebody or in starting a family or in getting that amazing job that allows you to retire at 50. That's a dream, right? I'm sure everybody remembers growing up uh, getting asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember a lot of my friends had like amazing answers to this question, and I always wrestled that I didn't really feel like I did. But I had a, a friend, Sarah, who was so determined that she was going to be a research physicist, which was a, a term that I didn't even understand when she was telling me about it, that by grade nine, she had already sat with the career counselor at high school and mapped out her entire course load. She knew what classes to take, when to take them, what grades she needed in order to get the scholarships that were going to pay her way through. She had focus. 
And I had a, another friend, Chris, who was so determined that he was going to be the lead singer in a screamo band. It was the mid-2000s, and that was a thing. But he was so serious about it that all through high school, he worked full-time in order to pay for uh, vocal lessons that he took three times a week because his parents were not going to pay for him to take screaming lessons. For me, I wrestled with this question a lot, and I had the odd idea of what a cool job might be, but when I was really down in it and I was asked, what do you want to do or what do you want to be, my answer was always the same. It was, I wanted to be a good father and I wanted to be a husband. That was, going back as far as I can remember, those were my answers. So what's strange about life is when you have these laser focuses, when you have this thing that you set your sights on and these goals that you strive after, is that we begin to create what feels like a sense of identity, what feels like a purpose. For me, the idea of being a father and being a husband, that gave me direction and it felt like a purpose in my life. And what happens is when you reach that goal, when you cross that line, you begin to realize really quickly that it's not it, it's never enough. I'm a, a husband, been married eight years, I have four kids and they're beautiful. And the farther down this road I go, the longer I'm a father and a husband, the more and more it settles in that that's not it. That's not my purpose in life. If the end result is not your relationship with Jesus Christ, if the end result is not you pursuing those next steps with Jesus, withdrawing close to your Savior, then it's always going to fall flat. And that's because God is not calling his people to be doctors or musicians or carpenters or a mother or a father or even calling you to be a pastor. He may have given you amazing gifts and some skills that'll let you do a job like nobody else on earth, but he's not calling you into a certain line of work or into a certain role to fulfill your ultimate identity and purpose. That's because your identity is found when you understand that you are a child of the living God, that you are loved beyond comprehension, and that you are saved by the sacrifice of Jesus. And your purpose in life is to simply live in light of that reality, to embrace that wholeheartedly and to live that out, to be intentional about how you spend your time and where you invest your energy. You are called to be a disciple of Jesus. That means seeking out ways that you can grow in that relationship, to be always seeking after what that next step Jesus is calling you to take is. You're called to care for the hurting and the broken in our world. That when you meet people who are not chasing after Jesus, like we talked about, you're going to meet a lot of them and that's okay. But we're called to pray that God would give you eyes to see them in a new way, to understand and to seek ways to share his love, and his life with the people around you. There's a, a song that, it's actually been a song that's meant a lot to me over the years. It's by a singer-songwriter called Brand, or named Brandon Heath. Some of you guys may have heard it before, but it's called Give Me Your Eyes. And the chorus of the song says, Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. Everything that I keep missing, give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. 
Now, I look forward to a new day in church, and I'm not just talking about CRBC, but the, the church as a whole, when sanctuaries and auditoriums are filled with young people who are seeking after the awesomeness, the, the, the majesty and the presence of Jesus. And that happens when you begin to be intentional, when you're intentional about taking those next steps, when you're intentional about living your life in a way that honors God, that glorifies Him, and that reaches beyond the walls of whatever building you land in into the communities that are hurting, and when you begin to live out the love of Jesus to those around you. So graduates, I do pray that that is the church that you are in in this next generation, that your generation really steps into that. And as you begin to leave your, your teenage years behind you, as you let high school start to slip into the shadowy memories, you're going to head out into a world that's not always comfortable. It's not always nice or kind. And that's okay, because you can get through it if you remember two things. First, take Jesus with you everywhere that you go. Never be ashamed or be afraid and be swayed. Never be swayed, sorry, by the opinions of others around you. Instead, I, I encourage you, I challenge you to be bold. Like Paul commanded Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, where he says, let no one despise you for your youth. Set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And if you do that, then it's going to allow you to do the second thing. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 and 2, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love... I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. So love, love your fellow man, care about them, look for ways that you can bring that love and life of Jesus to them. Pursue Jesus first and foremost in your life. Immerse yourself in the word of God daily. Surround yourself in the armor of God. Connect into a local, healthy church body. And always look for ways to be love and light to those around you. I want to challenge you to be intentional with each day of opportunity that you're given. Let's pray. Thank you. Jesus, Lord, we want to thank you for today. And again, Father, I want to lift up our grads, our, our high school grads who are at such a pivotal moment in their life. I do pray, Jesus, that as they look at what's next, as they consider where they go from here and all the options that are in front of them, Lord, I pray that you would give them clarity. I pray, Lord, that you would meet them in that need. And I pray, Jesus, that you would spark a fire in their heart to pursue you. Wherever it is that you're going to lead them, Lord, in the end, it doesn't matter as long as we're following you. And so, Jesus, please give them clarity in what that looks like. And I pray, Lord, that wherever it is that they land, that that fire that you start in their hearts would not go out, Lord, that it would be something that inspires those around them. And, Lord, that you would take the youth, the, the grads here from Campbell River, and, Lord, you would send them out to the corners of the world and send the gospel with them. We pray, Jesus, for revival in our, our younger generation, and we pray, Lord, that the church of the future would be one that just draws communities in, Lord, that goes out beyond the walls of their building and meets the needs of the hurting and the broken and the lost. 
So I pray, Jesus, that you would take this message this morning, Lord, and you would inspire our grads. Thank you for all their hard work, for their dedication in getting this far, and I pray, Jesus, that you're with them as they go forward. In your name we pray. Amen.